Welcome first-time listeners and returners to the Sports Deli, where we believe that less is more. Less stands for leadership, equality, empowerment, empathy, education, social injustice, suicide prevention, sports, and solutions. We talk a lot about white privilege. We want to mobilize and pay it forward. The Sports Deli is sponsored by SportRx. You can give them a call at 888-831-5817 or find them online at SportRx.com. SportRx is the leader in sport prescription eyewear. They are used by skiers and snowboarders and Major League Baseball players. People all over the world use SportRx. And don't forget to enter the code DELI10 at checkout for your special 10% discount. And now a little bit about your two co-hosts, Dr. J and myself, Hootie Hoot. Dr. J is a sports junkie. He loves politics. His dad was a civil rights lawyer. His mom worked for the government. He's working on his EDD in higher education. He's got his master's degree from the University of South Carolina. He once won third place as a freshman at the University of Kentucky in a Rick Pitino lookalike contest. He loves golf. He's played in Scotland, Mexico, Spain, the United States, and he's played Torrey Pines, the Ocean Course, Pebble Beach, and Doral. He loves the All-American at Waffle House and will, once the pandemic is over, commandeer a booth at night at Waffle House and be broadcasting live right here in the Sports Deli. As for myself, Hootie Hoot, I'm from Detroit. I went to Oak Park High School. I love my Detroit teams. Loved my friends growing up on Leslie. I played five sports in high school. I got cut three times, once in middle school, high school, and in college. And the next year I made the team every single time because I was motivated and so mad that I got cut the previous year. I played JV on the basketball and baseball teams as a junior, but I didn't care because I just wanted to play. And then the next year as a senior, I made the varsity in both baseball and basketball. I give a lot of thanks and big credit and kudos to my youth coaches, Coach Clarefelt, Mr. Emanuel, Richard Maltz, Jeff Feig, uh, Mr. Sternberg, Coach Golding, all played huge parts in my upbringing and my success. And I played four years of college basketball and one year of intercollegiate tennis. I played on the first team in the history of Goucher College in the sport of basketball. I was the first MVP in the history of the men's basketball program. I still hold a record where I made five out of six three-pointers in a game, good for 83%, a single game high, still some 30-plus years later. I went to Frostburg State and learned under the tutelage and mentorship of Oscar Lewis, a phenomenal coach. I've coached men's and women's college basketball for 23 years. I've sent dozens of players to the NCAA and NAIA levels including 11 to the Division I level. I'm also a professional basketball skills trainer, and I give private lessons in both tennis and golf. I currently coach at the Preuss School in San Diego. It's a low-income first-generation high school in the sport of girls' basketball. I have a beautiful, amazing, incredible daughter. I'm a life coach. My mom has been an inspiration to me and a huge support system uh, during all my ups and downs in my life. Unlike John, I will not be commandeering a booth at the Waffle House once the pandemic is over, but at my favorite restaurant, the Crab Hut, right here in San Diego. And now, back to the Sports Deli.
We're so honored on this 14th day of Women's History Month, roughly 34 days away from the WNBA draft, a few days away from the start of March Madness, and roughly two months away from the WNBA's historic 25th season to be joined by the head coach of the Atlanta Dream, Nikki Collin. She shares a birthday with Dennis Rodman, Stephen Colbert, and Stevie Wonder. She grew up in the basketball craze state of Indiana before moving to Wisconsin, where she would attend basketball camps ran by former University of Wisconsin and D3 legendary Wisconsin Platteville coach Bo Ryan. Even though she reached the pinnacle as a coach and had incredible success as a player in college, she thought she was going to follow in tennis legend Chris Everett's footsteps. She also dreamed about being an astronaut as a kid. She has three beautiful children, including a twin boy and girl. And her husband, Tom, who coached college ball for 34 years, is, among other things, Mr. Mom. She played her college ball at Purdue and Marquette and made four consecutive trips to the NCAA tournament, including a trip to the Final Four in 1994 while at Purdue. And her coach at Marquette once asked her, why do you practice shooting so much if you're going to pass up so many shots? She has a mechanical engineering degree and graduated cum laude. She played one year in Greece professionally before coming back to the States and coaching college ball for 15 years before moving on to the WNBA as an assistant with the Connecticut Sun in 2015. She's been the head coach for the Dream for three years and in 2019 was named WNBA Coach of the Year. She demands of herself and her dream team to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You can find her on Instagram at Coach Nikki C and on Twitter at Nikki Collin, and of course on the Atlanta Dreams website at dream.wnba.com. Coach, we're truly honored that you're joining us today here in the Sports Deli. Yeah, thanks for having me. Holy cow! I guess you did your research on me. So, <laughs> well, they <laughs> made that make memory it. lane there. <laughs> That's right. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Yeah, no doubt. Well, Coach, we can't thank you enough for sticking around for another couple of segments here in the sports deli for those of you that didn't listen to part one yet with nikki collin who's joining us here today head coach of the wnba's atlanta dream we encourage you to do so it was an amazing interview thank you so much for joining us we're honored that you're here sharing space with us so again grab your favorite deli sandwich or your favorite bagel and your favorite beverage and let's do this together right here in the sports deli um, so I want to ask you, and, and, and when we talk about this conversation from, from, uh, typically John and I talk about this from a white Jewish perspective, um, <laughs> it, it's important. I think that we think it's a big white issue now, uh, you know, the black lives matter movement and, and, you know, what I have said a lot are two things. One, that the power of 180 women, not including the coaches and the coaching staff and the, you know most of the um, administrations of, of the, uh, the WNBA franchises, but uh, the, the power of, of what 180 women did when Warnock was polling at 9% and the, the decision that the sisterhood, you know, and the coaches uh, did to come together and, and um, you know, your situation there was probably tough, right? You're caught between a rock and a hard place and, and, you know, you, you're obviously going to support the right thing. You want to be on the right side of history. And it was, it's unfortunate, but honestly, as much as people bash Kelly all the time and things like that, you know, I bash Tom Brady a lot uh, for, for a different reason uh, because I feel like he's got a platform. There's not one white male in the United States 
besides the 45th president at the time who could speak out against this because the reality is that a lot of white people listen to white people and a lot of the black and brown communities still only listen to the black and brown communities. And so I, I found it fascinating and I, and I hope, I hope Kelly uh, comes to some revelation at some point and find some middle ground because I, I don't, I, it's disheartening to me when something's not a political issue mm-hmm. that uh, you can uh, say some of the things or not be supportive of anything that marginalizes uh, any group of people, whether it's, uh, you know, Islamophobia or Hispanics or, you know, uh, women and men of color, you know, and we still see it with high school announcers making comments. <sighs> And blaming it on uh, diabetes and, yeah. you know, all the way th- uh, up to the highest level with NBA players making comments, playing video games. And so, you know, we're, we're not going to fix this in one summer because of, of a movement, but the conversation has to continue. And it, it can't be because somebody else dies mm-hmm. uh, that we continue the conversation again. Uh, so what, what, did, what did the summer teach you, obviously, beyond the obvious? Uh, yeah. to, to how much more sensitive we are because of the, the stories and, and why was it so different this time versus Rodney King or Watts or, you know, the other things, because people have been killed and, and jailed for things that they shouldn't be in jail for, for a long time, but something changed this summer. I think we, I think we, we all watched it. You know, I think that's, that was the biggest change. You know, we, we watched it, you know, we all watched that video and, you know, heard him say like, I can't breathe and, you know, saw the knee on the neck. And it's like, if, if that didn't, um, you know, challenge the way you thought about things, um, you know, and I, I, I think we're still living in a time where we're talking about, well, what does the autopsy say to me? it doesn't matter what the autopsy says. We saw it, you know, we saw it was wrong. And, um, and so I think that's, that was, that was the flame, you know, that just, you know, ignited um, people. And, you know, I think the challenge to, you know, white America um, to be an ally, but to really be almost more, you know, than an ally. And, you know, I think that, it was even playing this season, you know, like I remember, uh, I think it was the AJC here calling me, you know, when they announced the schedule for the season or announced that we were gonna have a bubble season and all of that. And, and I said, you know, it's just a really weird time. I said, because there's part of me, the basketball coach in me is like, all I want to do is coach, you know, it's like, you told me there's a season, I don't care what planet we're playing on. Like, Yes, I'm excited. Like, of course I'm excited. I said, but I'm also sensitive to what's going on in terms of we've got a pandemic going on and we have a racial pandemic going on. We have, we have so much going on that's so emotional and and touching so many people that I almost feel guilty saying, yeah, let's go play basketball. I said, but if I don't, then I'm not being truthful and saying like, this is something I'm passionate about. And I think the beauty of our league is is the players that didn't opt out and made the decision to go to the bubble. They did it with, with real intent. Of course, they wanted to get their paycheck. Of course, you know, like this is their livelihood, but I think they went with a bigger purpose and, you know, they, they, in, in the midst of playing every other day, um, they still managed to stay connected. They still managed to, you know, with the leadership of the executive committee, which Elizabeth Williams on my team was a part of and, 
um, you know, they made, they made real change and they gave, you know, I remember sitting in a zoom call with, you know, our team psychologist, um, you know, having these conversations as a team in terms of how they wanted to talk about, you know, what Kelly had said and, and how hurtful it was. And, you know, I just like, I had so much pride in, in the classiness, um, in which they took, you know, they, they just took the high road. They said their piece, but they said it in a way where, where they didn't, you know, call people names or, you know, they just said, this is what we believe and this is who we are and this is what we're fighting for. And, and this isn't a political statement. It's, it's about human lives. And so, you know, when we, when we break it down to, it's about, you know, humans and, and us being treated equally. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, all of it was a learning process for me, like, and, and really asking tough questions and asking the questions that, you know, and really understanding what white, you know, white privilege means, you know, and the idea of, you know, I'd heard so many people up to that point thinking that, you know, if you said someone had white privilege, you were basically saying they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth, you know, and you had all these people saying, I had to work really, really hard. And I, you know, and, and we're really, um, upset about it but when when you really could boil it down and explain it you know that it isn't about you're not a hard worker it's about you didn't face this one challenge you know like you didn't have race ever be a factor in your hard work not mattering you know and so I think you know we, we all should have learned some sense of empathy through the whole thing and and the thing that I that I told my team and I, and I do this every year with them anyway is that I'm not always going to say things the right way. I'm not always going to, even if it's, even if it's, I'm going to get plays wrong in a game, I'm going to call the wrong play. I'm going to have the wrong lineup in, but if like, I'm willing to look you guys in the eye afterwards and say, I could have been better. I'm going to keep working. It's like, you know, I'm going to have empathy, but I'm not always going to say things the right way. I'm, I don't know what it's like to walk in your shoes. I don't, you know, like I have enough fear. Like, I don't think some men even understand that as a female, you know, like if I'm at the grocery store and it's 10 o'clock at night, when I walk to my car, I have the keys, you know, between my fingers, because as a female, we just have this inherent fear um, in those type of situations. It's the only thing I can compare it to, but on a different scale, on a different, like, I don't know how they feel. Just like, I don't think men quite understand how women feel, you know, being alone in a dark parking lot, you know, and what that can look like. And so, you know, I think it's, it's, it's telling people you're willing to learn, you know, you're willing to like hear them out. And we're not always going to agree, you know, we're, we're not. And, you know, I always say like, even, even in the case of Kelly, like Kelly hired me, you know, like I am always going to be, have incredible gratitude for Kelly Leffler believing in me that believing I could lead this franchise for believing in me being a good basketball coach and, and someone who was a good communicator. Um, but it doesn't mean I'm always going to agree with her politically, you know, and, and vice versa. And so, you know, through this process, it, there was towing the line, but to me, this was more about, you know, supporting our players about walking arm in arm with them and, and doing whatever I could to support their activism. Um, you know, so it was, it was a challenging year in a lot of ways. I mean, and for so many people, and I can't pretend that my challenge was bigger than people that were losing their jobs in the pandemic or, you know, it, all these things. Like I was lucky. I got, I got my paycheck. I got to coach basketball. I may have had to take 72 straight COVID tests 
but you know what, in the grand scheme of things, like that was no big deal. So, um, you know, excited you th- to see where this new group goes. <laughs> totally. You, you think Kelly, um, because of the election and because of the, the team has said to herself, maybe I was a little bit off base with this whole thing and learned something from it. Has she spoken to you about it or said anything like, I'm sorry, anything? No. And I don't, I don't think like in, in all honesty, like she owned the team and I work for her and um, you know, so no, we haven't had those conversations and maybe someday when, when time has passed, you know mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we can, you know, have a, have a glass of wine sometime and, and uh, you know, but it, it really wasn't my place, you know, like yeah. it's, it's um, her team and her life and her political career. And um you know, so, you know, it just wasn't something that I was ever going to broach. You know, she hired me to do a job. And and ultimately, like, I tried to do that job to the best of my ability. Yeah, you did a phenomenal job uh, navigating all of that. And um, there's a lot of things about the Wobble I'd love to ask you about, but I know you're, we're approaching the one hour mark. And I want to get to the very famous rapid fire this or that segment of the podcast. Um, and we, maybe we'll incorporate the wobble a little bit into it and in, in expansion and, you know, that type of thing. Uh, season's a couple months away. So I know you're super excited. The draft's coming up. Uh, so it's, it's fun. March Madness is here. So, okay. Um, buckle your seatbelts. All right, let's do this. So, okay. Um, so you coached in college basketball for 15 years before moving on to the WNBA, as we said, but I want to ask you, uh, you mentioned coach Smisco and I, what he's done is just amazing to me. Obviously he's not a power five, but uh, so uh, no, that's a tough question. So coach Smesco or your husband? Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, I have to say, I have to say Tom, right? Okay. You have to. Okay. Uh, Gino or, or um, Pat summit. Gino. Really? Why? I think Gino is a master at roster management. I think that is the the beauty of him, like that he has been able to um, year after year. as the years have gone by. And yeah. yes, he still might have the number one player in almost every high school class, you know, like he finds a way to really get the best out of them, you know. Yeah. How good is Paige? Are you allowed to comment on that? And just, just from a fan I don't know. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think she's, I mean, she's a couple of years from coming out anyway. I mean, they're going to yeah. ask. Um, I think she, she has, she has that special sauce, you know, oh. I don't know. It's that rare combination of size and skill, but confidence, you know, yeah. like you can't, Caitlin Clark has it too. Look that, that those yeah. two are ridiculous. Like the, the, the way they play the confidence, the first game I ever watched Caitlin Clark play I just shook my head and said she might be as good as any guard in 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 college because it's just it's this confidence that, that goes along with her skill yeah Maya Moore or Diana oh Diana yeah um all right well then let's go your husband or Kurt <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go Tom you know like, this, is, this is like you know <laughs> That's I mean, hilarious. if you go Tom and Gino, I might have to say Gino, you know, like there, there has to come a point where it's like, you know, 
this can't this can't be emotionally based anymore oh that's hilarious uh okay you or tom oh <laughs> uh ty there you there you go that's a great answer okay <laughs> All right, comfortable pillow or comfortable blanket? Pillow. If you could only use a fork or a spoon the rest of your life, which would you choose? Fork. Have you ever washed your hair with eggs, honey, or beer? No. Interesting. I had a friend of mine in college that did. So I was just curious if that was ever a I, thing. I think like, I, I would think the craziest thing was back when like everyone was like, we were putting lots of coconut oil or avocado any anything like that so you get yeah. kind of that oil stuff that natural uh. yeah right would you rather have skin that changes color based on your emotions or tattoos that appear all over your body depicting what you did yesterday oh geez yeah i would have to say let's go with the chameleon thing <laughs> that's right <laughs> would you rather have a water balloon fight with your kids or a food fight Ooh, water balloon interesting would you rather become twice as strong when both of your fingers are stuck in your ears or crawl twice as fast as you can run? <laughs> I can't even, I'm not even sure I can even process that one. I mean, I don't want to crawl. So maybe the first one, something about ears and. Oh man. Uh, knickers, overalls, or a bow tie on Tom. I'd, I'd say bow tie. Interesting. So he, he doesn't golf. He does not golf. I mean, oh. not recently. Yeah. Not recently. Yeah. Uh, Wimbledon, the French open, U S open or the Australian open. Wimbledon. Mm, wow. Have you ever played on grass? No, but I mean, it's just like having been like, I, I can specifically remember like Sunday morning championship, yeah. climbing in my parents' bed when I was young because the game would be at like, or the match would be at like 8 a.m. and watching right. Wimbledon. Like it just, the white, I mean, back, totally. you know, the all white, it, it just, I don't know, just seemed more special somehow. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I have a tennis background too. I coached college tennis for 15 years in addition to oh. basketball and, and played in college myself in addition to basketball. So I, I love the game. So Martina or Chris Everett? Chris Everett. Of course, Jimmy, John, or Andre, Jimmy Connors, John Macro, or Andre. Yeah, Vegas. Jimmy, Jimmy Connors. Yeah, Southpaw. Are you left-handed? I am not. You're not left-handed. No. Would you rather no. live without air conditioning or internet in Atlanta in the summer? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't think I'd. I don't think I'd survive without air conditioning. <laughs> I'm gonna have to say, I'll, I'll find a hot spot, right? What <laughs> <My> hot spot? <laughs> Oh, God. Flying car or a car that could drive underwater? Oh, flying car. Yeah. I got pilot. My dad's a private pilot. So anything that gets wow. me in the air. Interesting. So if your plane was crashing, who would you like to have sitting next to you? Oh, um, really morbid question. You can go uh, in two directions, know, right? It could be someone you love or someone you hate. Yeah, I'd have a hard time with hate. That's the, I mean, I've always said like, you know, when you, you put together like, like that last supper type of thing, like Larry Bird would have to be there. Like that is my all time basketball idol. So we could have a good conversation going down. <laughs> yeah, you could. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I you mean, said it all matter of factly too. Yeah. Know, Larry. Exactly. So what about that step back, back in the day? <laughs> right, exactly. Remember when you played all left-handed? <laughs> That's right. Oh man. Uh, favorite Halloween costume that your kids wore. Ooh, 
Um, you know, I'd have to say like the year um, they, they all kind of did the Harry Potter thing. Like if they were just oh. young and cute, you know, we had Hermione and Harry Potter. And That's so, cool. yeah. My best friend's an assistant coach at K-State with Coach Mitty. And so she's a, she's a diehard uh, Harry Potter. They're the same age. So I think that oh, has okay. something to do with it. Yeah. Uh, if you could make one rule change in the WNBA, what would it be? Um, I think um, this is, this is like, I would love to go to 48 minute games, you know, but we need bigger rosters before we did that. But I, I like the idea of hmm. our game being different than the, than the college game. Mm-hmm. that's awesome i didn't think of that but that's that's cool definitely not lowering the rim like no no we're not changing the they were not changing the game yeah god bless america so stupid i always think yeah. that concept um, like okay you know even if we took the rim to nine feet you still wouldn't have a ton of dunking like you still wouldn't have the same level of dunking you do at 10 feet in the nba so why do it for two a game, three a game. I don't know. Like it just, and just change the game. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like we're, our game isn't going to look like the NBA. So if you don't like it, don't watch it. You know, like, I, I don't know why I have to complain about it, but if you don't like it, don't watch it. But there was only one era, the Jordan era that people really cared about dunking. No one cares about that anymore. They all want to see you, you know, breaking ankles and have, hitting step back threes. So that's not True. really even a thing anyways. Uh, remote control car or a drone drone interesting so the year that you upset um who was it that you upset in the first round oh clemson clemson yeah, yeah you know so, it's the 512 game you know that's right the 512 won, game right? so so that 512 game or going to the final four or your first year being a head coach with the dream Ooh. um i have to tell you that when we beat Vegas in our last regular season game to seal this two seed and the double bye. Mm. that may have been as excited as I've ever been, you know? So I, I, I would have to say that first, I, I don't want to leave it as like a first year, but like, if yeah, I'm going to yeah. compare moments, yeah. um, that moment was really special because it also was the best record, the Atlanta dream I've ever had in franchise history. So it was kind of that whole, yeah, I, I would say that. Interesting. So Stacy, who I was re- referencing, that's a K-State. So she worked for Heidi at UCSD, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Tara's sister. And so I watched a lot of their games for two years. And I can tell you that I've watched a lot of basketball. But out of timeouts, mm-hmm. it was fascinating to watch Heidi draw things up out of timeouts. And so who, who, who? because you I have, obviously have a lot of late game situations. Who, who did you draw upon, no pun intended, to you know, really love that. Cause I love, like when I was co- coaching college ball, I couldn't wait to draw up a play at the end of a game, mm-hmm. even something yeah. we've never run before a screen, the screener, or, you know, big, big, you know, guard screens or curl, you know, just whatever it was. So how did you gain confidence in that area of the game? Um, geez, I, so, dumb luck. I don't know. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like I, th- I think that um, I went to Nike clinics when I was younger. Right. And I went to all of them and I, and I literally like, I couldn't get enough of that stuff. Yeah. And I I'm lucky. Cause you know, I hired Mike Peter- Peterson who had done some, you know, been a head coach, men, uh, women's assistant coach on the mm-hmm. men's side was an advanced scout for the Pelicans. 
So, you know, we would talk about like building, like after our first year, you know, we really focused more on that. Um, we've always done late game situations in practice. And I loved, you know, kind of, okay, this is what we're going to start with. We're always going to start with a stagger. And here's, here's what we're going to, you know, here's the different counters, you know, when we need, we got five seconds and need a three, we have five seconds and we only need a two, you know, but how do we counter, you know? So I still think at our level, as much as it's fun to draw something up that no one's seen and, you know, ultimately like you're more apt to win in a late game situation. If you've had enough repetitions at it, that your timing is right. Cause so many of those situations when you're yeah. um, you know, but the irony is we were, we were 17 and zero when we led going into the fourth quarter, my first year, you know, we were like 12 and 0 in games decided by five points or less. And so in some ways I really wow. do think it was dumb luck a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> and some of it was, I have to say this, you can talk about games played under five and those can look very, very different because it doesn't mean that you hit a game winning three, right? It can mean that you had a four point lead and you just got the ball in bounds and got fouled, you know? And so, you know, I think some of those were, were less pressure filled. And so you, I think you build up your confidence in ATOs because we're a side out league, right? Mm -hmm. So when yeah. you go from the college game, which you have a you tons of baseline out of bounds versus being in the pro game, you have side outs, you build your side out package. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's just, um, you know, and I have to say like um, the Erie Bay G league coach, um, he does an amazing job of putting together um, side out packages and different plays from European coaches and all kinds of stuff. And mm -hmm. I can seriously nerd out on that stuff. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, because the European game is great. Like some yeah. of it's not as NBA driven oh, because oh, the, oh. the NBA can be like, let's, let's see how we get a lob. Let's like, you know, and, and I, maybe I can't do that, but the European game, like misdirection and actions, you know, fake handoffs and things like that. So yeah. Um, Love it. yeah, it's just, I mean, we were just were in that situation a ton my first year and mm. you get a couple, right. But there's no doubt, like you said, like, when you become a head coach and you get the clipboard in your hand, there's nothing better than an ATO that works. And it could be in the second quarter. It doesn't matter, you know, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, and, and you do your best when you, when you run something that is in your playbook and you tweak it, you know? So it's, totally. it's, it's the same thing as like first plays, you know, like we're going to run these, these three and we're going to cycle through and, and we want these different things out of them. So, so I think that's, you know, my, my lesson for anyone, like, trying to figure out how to build that side out or that ATO packages, figure out what you're good at and then, and then build counters out of the same thing. So, you know, your opponents can't necessarily guess what you're doing anyway, unless, unless it doesn't matter. And you have someone like Brittany Griner that you can just, throw, <laughs> you can just throw the ball up to, but I haven't had that, you know, so you know, uh, yeah. they could always run that little back screen and lob it to the backside low block and run misdirection action. Like, the idea of me running a like a back screen to throw a lob to the backside low block, you know, that that's that's like thinking that Jokic is going to come out, you know, and, right. and I'm going to run all these splits off of Jokic. Like I don't have him either. So watching, you know, the Nuggets run their stuff like that doesn't help me. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned him because that was one of the questions I was going to ask you about, you know, how he's revolutionizing that position in terms of triple doubles. And so what, what, where do you think the women's game uh, is, is continuing to evolve? Is it just simply counter moves? Is it basketball IQ? Uh, where, where do you think the game's going there? I, I still think in some ways, as silly as it sounds, it continues to be like size and strength. Um, 
you combine that with skill. But I, I think we're still a league, um, unlike the NBA, that has some dominant low post centers. Uh, I mean, right. you can throw the ball to fouls. You can throw the ball to Griner. Like yeah. those guys aren't going to be out in the corner shooting threes like NBA yeah. seven footers are, you know. And so, and we have somewhat more traditional. But like yeah. you take you take a Phoenix, and if they're not throwing it to Griner, they're probably shooting a three. And so yeah. you you kind of combine the analytics. Um, you know, our game has followed the M- NBA analytically um, for for sure. But I think it's 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 the it's small ball. I mean, small ball yeah. is growing in our league. Um, it's versatility of position and players. Um, you know, I always tell people like, you know, Kennedy Carter is, um, I mean, she does things that I've never seen before. You know, she does things that, um, you know, we all shake our, we all have those like shake your head moment, you know, where you go like, okay, you know, but you know, she will do things with a basketball that, you know, I'll just look over <laughs> at my assistants and go, you know, like, um, and it's just this sheer combination of, of speed and explosiveness and strength to the rim that, you know, we've all, we all know there are players who are strong in the weight room and weak on the basketball floor and players that are weak in the weight room and strong on the basketball floor, like that exists as much as, you know, and so when you see someone who's five foot six or maybe seven with her shoes on play through bigger, stronger specimens and just put them under the rim and finish like you just it just shows how explosive you know she is through her legs um amazing and so you know you just yeah i mean it's crazy Uh, well to pivot if your kids asked you to eat a grasshopper or cricket what would you choose oh (laughs) i feel like crickets are smaller so i'm gonna go with a cricket because i mean is there a difference like i'm not sure there's a difference Oh my God. Uh, do you enjoy watching a, uh, pretty step back jump shot, a Euro or a floater? Ooh. Um, I'm going to say step back. Yeah. I I'm like, I'm not anti the floater, but I'm kind of anti the floater. Um, interesting. and, And I'll tell you, it's because to me, the floater, when I watch collegiate basketball, um, the floater is what you do when you you've decided to drive too far into the lane and you can't get all the way to the rim and you've passed the point of taking a jump shot. So you just throw the ball at the basket. So I think a lot of times the float game is like a bailout and there aren't enough players who are good at it. If you're good at it, I'm all for the float game, but I just think it, it kind of was like, okay, every basketball trainer is going to teach the floater now because you know, it's, it's the, it's the move to work on. And I just don't think enough people are good at it or very efficient with it. So that, that one's always going to get eliminated first. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I always teach it as a part of my, you know, sessions with my clients, not, not overly, you know, spending time with it or anything, but the two main that I teach are Kevin Johnson had a move that nobody in the NBA or WNBA yeah, uses even today and it's more of a plyo push which Derek mm-hmm. Rose is probably the best at that I've seen and the Steve Smith uh, which is basically a fake spin and those are the two that I pretty much incorporate uh, into my training so do you prefer a plyo push sort of a misdirection plyo push with the the foot being on the opposite side of where the ball is or a fake spin mm. I'm gonna have to roll with the plyo push there I mean mm. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. You're welcome. 
Uh, okay, a few more. Vacuuming or dishes? Uh, uh, definitely vacuuming. <laughs> Interesting. I'm a laundry uh, person. Like I, I can oh. do laundry all day, every day. Like I love folding. It's I, I've got some OCD. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're in the perfect business. So LeBron or MJ? Oh, Jordan. Yeah. If LeBron wins two more rings, is is does that change anything? I think LeBron is. I mean, he's a winner. I mean, and he he's just. I think it's so much of it is like his body, you know, and his, I mean, you can't mess with the longevity and the winning, but you know, his, I mean, he looked like that at 16. So I think I just, you know, I I think it's era driven too, you know, like when you grow up with Michael Jordan and you watch and you, I mean, even going back and watching, um, you know, the documentary or whatever, I mean, it's just, that's, I feel like that's when I grew up and fell in love with basketball was bird and, magic and jordan and you know so yeah what did kobe's death do for you and and your team um i think kobe's death first of all is going to be one of those moments like you know my parents had with like jfk like where were you when (laughs) and (laughs) totally and i found out about kobe i was out for the civil war series at oregon oregon state last year And so the, I mean, it was literally like Sabrina and that whole Oregon team was playing at Oregon state and found out, you know, just before tip. And so I was sitting next to, I mean, and that game had multiple pro prospects in it. So there were a Mm -hmm. ton of coaches and GMs. And I remember sitting next to Tamika catchings who was crying, you know, because they had the person, I mean, Kobe was, larger than life and someone that I respected and loved to watch play basketball. But I mean, Tamika, Kobe was a friend, you know, Kobe was someone that she got to know through USA basketball and playing in the Olympics and all that. So you just saw, I mean, it's just, I I think it's about, you know, I, I think moments like that, you, you hope that everyone kind of realizes how fragile (laughs) life is and that, you know, like is, you know, you gotta love what you do. Um, cause you, yeah. you don't know how long you're going to be doing it. So I, I don't know if it, it did anything for the team, but I, but I, especially cause of a timing perspective, you know, yeah. but, but yeah. I do think it made people think a little bit about, you know, their own lives, you know, and, and how they were living them. Yeah. Uh, French toast, waffles, or pancakes. French toast. Interesting. With challah or just plain normal bread. Oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, like cinnamon. Oh Um, yeah. Do you like uh, waffle houses? (laughs) I'm in Atlanta. What's there's like the politically correct answer here, right? Like Ruben Boomche Boomche was on and he was like, I went twice. It was greasy. I never went back and everyone else is like, I love it. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, it's kind of one of those. I mean, I, I know. I mean, it's, 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 this is home. Yeah, this is right, Waffle exactly. House home. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. there, there are a lot of places I'd probably choose to go, you know, before, like, cause I'm kind of more of like an avocado toast kind of girl. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know, so you're not going to get that at Waffle House. Okay. A couple more. Uh, so a high low or a block to block guard, big screen with a low post entry from the wing. 
Can I say neither? <laughs> can I say a pick and roll? <laughs> you don't like any. Yes, you can say pick and roll, but that's that's too that's too easy. Okay, so wait. So either a baseline runner for a corner three or a screen a screener up an elevator screen for a top of a key three. Ooh, I, I, all right. So the first one, are we are we are we drifting on the baseline? Yes. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with the drift, the baseline drive, baseline drift. Yeah. Uh, did you did you ever run um, uh, read and react? Uh, parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. Parts of it. Okay. If you could be Bill Lambeer or Draymond Green, who would you be? <laughs> uh, oh boy. I always joke that I think I think when I became a head coach in this league, I, I'm not sure Bill talked to me like the first eight months, like other than other than you're, like you're good, good, good luck before before the game. And now like now I love Bill. It was funny, like after that first year in the league, I went to the Pac twelve tournament and it was it was in Vegas and, and we just, we just chatted it up and then spending the whole summer with him in the wobble, uh, drinking wine. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I like, I want to dream on green. Like I just love, I love as a basketball player, what he does and how versatile he can be. I just, you know, if, if you really, if he was really going to be great though i just wish he was like a slightly better shooter because yeah totally ultimately like it's gotten to the point where people just do not guard him at all (laughs) yeah all right last two questions i'd ask a third but john's not here so he ruined that one so popcorn or candy at the movies um candy what about your kids candy tom we're we're those people that like tom's (laughs) definitely popcorn you know like Wow. Uh, my dad, my dad was an accountant. You got to understand, like we were like stop at Walgreens and get three for three dollars and sneak <laughs> them in in mom's purse, you know, or here's the here's my other favorite. Um, get a big thing of popcorn, but, you know, bring um, baggies with you so that, you know, you can get one thing of popcorn, have it be bottomless. Everybody gets a bag, you know, like <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there's just always going to be those frugal things about being the child of an accountant. That's classic. So if you're in your car driving, what song are you singing uh, when you're by yourself? Oh, gosh. Um, It's probably the wrong thing to say right now, but Morgan Wallen's new album is amazing. Um, Really? Wow. Yeah. um, I'm a big country music fan. So um, but a lot of times it it ends up being, um, you know, whatever if my kids I've listened to more right. rap in the last few years, than, <laughs> you know, and, and rap is the funniest thing. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're 13 to 15 and they want to listen to it. And then they're like, they realize what the words are. Right. And then they're like embarrassed because their mom's in the car with them, you know? And I'm like, what? is there a song that's like, you really could play without us all blushing sitting here in the car? I'm not sure there is. So yeah that's hilarious do you watch american idol as a family uh no no No. never been an american idol person interesting the voice no no No. now admittedly i'm more of like a bachelor kind of person oh wow okay that was a plot twist (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry it's kind of like that guilty pleasure of yeah there you go like i think i think the thing that everyone in the house is watching right now is like all american i think all you know so like we watch that, um, 
I, I have to say, like, if anyone's looking for a show that hasn't watched it yet, Ted Lasso is the bomb. So if you, if, especially if you're a coach, that show is awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. My mom told me about Shit's Creek. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't know there's anyone that hasn't watched Schitt's Creek. So yeah, that's a, that's a classic. That's like a, you have to watch that. Like you have to watch the office. Right. Office or Seinfeld. Oh boy. Okay. Once again, um, generational bias, I'm going to go <laughs> right. with Seinfeld, but love the office, but the office I didn't watch in like real time. The office is one of those things that I've watched like in the last couple of years, you know? So yeah. Ellen or Oprah, last question. Oh, um, Oprah, yeah. Yeah, generational maybe too. Yeah, I mean, and I think, um, I think it's the, maybe it's less about being lighthearted and more about issues, you know? I think it was always kind of, I think the amazing thing about Oprah was like, if she brought someone on, they instantly sold a million books or, uh, you know, I mean, she just <laughs> one of the more powerful people on the planet. Totally. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough. It's, it's uh, been an amazing experience sharing space with you. There's a lot of things you could be doing right now and taking time away from your family. I can't tell you how much I, I appreciate it and um, wish you the best of luck in, in your future endeavors. And uh, they're lucky to have you there for sure. And, and uh your husband's lucky, your kids are lucky and, and uh, anything else you want to share that we maybe didn't touch on or, you know, they no. might want to hear about. Yeah. We covered no. a lot. Hopefully we have, yeah. Hopefully we have a schedule soon and uh, you know, support the W. I mean, if you haven't watched it, give it a chance. You know, I think that's the, that's the thing. It's amazing how um, people that haven't watched it are so quick to kind of put it down. But I, but I think uh, if you watch it, you'll, you'll come back. I mean, I just, I think, um, I mean, it's a special product, you know, and I think this year, assuming all things go well, we'll have a lot of the key players back. I mean, I, you're gonna have the Deladons back and, yeah. and, uh, Cam Beige. And, and so I think it's going to be an exciting year. Totally. I, I mean, I coach men 15 years, my 14th year on the women's side and, and I love it. Ratings were up last year. Uh, expansion is right around the corner, I think. Um, you know, uh, people always talk about the, f the financials of it. Um, financials will improve if it's marketed properly and, and you get to the right cities and things like that. So um, anything we can do, we will. And, and best of luck this season. And much love, much respect, Thanks. Coach. Thanks so much for coming on. All right. You got it. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed part two of the interview with Nikki Collin, head coach of the WNBA's Atlanta Dream, right here in the Sports Deli. Remember, your voice matters when fighting systemic racism. Read a book, acknowledge your white privilege, watch a movie about institutional racism, call your state or local representatives, and or have a conversation with someone that doesn't look like you so that we can change the economic, educational, home ownership, police, and prison narratives that currently need to be changed in this country. Remember, the Sports Deli is sponsored by SportRx.com. You can contact them at 888-831-5817 and talk to a live optician. Don't forget to enter the code DELI10 at checkout for your 10% discount. You can always send us an email to thesportsdeli at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at Mike Hootner or on Twitter at Michael Hootner. For Dr. J, I'm Hootie Hoot. 
Thanks again for joining us today in the Sports Deli. Please mask up. Remember, Black Lives Matter. Peace.